Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I am Ryan Noonan, back again, our fourth season. Joined, as always, by my fellow co-director of betting here at 444. It's Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Season four, we're going to do some new stuff this year. I'm excited to uh, kick this off uh, with our boy, Daigle. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that this should be our best season yet. We got, as you guys can see, a, a nice, better, much better layout. It's going to even get even better from here. We got a graphics team working on that. Um, we're going to have some exciting partnerships coming as well. Um, I, I'm stoked for the season. We're going to have some on some great guests like we did last year and p- probably a few more even going forward. So I thought you were going to tell the people how good at golf you are to start the show. Oh, God. I actually thought about that. That crossed my mind. Um, yeah, I, I completed two holes myself, um, and I got one bogey. The rest were – I picked the ball up. Uh, uh, and, yeah. To everyone listening, let's just say – Whenever oh. Noon and I got out there, Connor's first sentence was, what do these numbers on the clubs mean? <laughs> and we knew we were going to be in for the longest day of our lives. And at least, and the first hole was long, but we figured it out from there. Uh, the horror oh, on your guys' faces was incredible. Literally, I, I said that and you guys like looked at each other like, oh, fuck. Like, what did we get ourselves into? Uh, we implemented some rules to work around it for the betterment of the, uh, you know, everyone out on the course to make sure that we kept pace. But, uh, yeah, I can't think of a better way to spend four and a half, five hours than we, with your boys chopping it up. And, uh, yeah, we're excited to have, uh, officially John Daigle, the, uh, man, the myth of the legend doing all sorts of things over at NBC Sports Edge, uh, betting, best ball content. He's in the middle of a uh, deep dive, basically season preview uh, of every single team. So, uh, Daigle, we couldn't think of a better way to kick off our official 2021 season than with you, my friend. How are things? I opened Move the Line 2020 season week one with y'all. And then uh, here we are now for division previews. And then who knows? Maybe I'll circle back around in week one. Plus, we'll get the Thanksgiving champagne special again. Plus the... (laughs) end of year Super Bowl preview mm-hmm. show with Silva and Kanish as well. So it's going to be a big year for Move the Line and hopefully uh, NBC Sports Edge and all of us as well. It's awesome. So we'll be back uh, every basically now until the Super Bowl every week, uh, Wednesday nights, basically our, our game breakdown show, basically doing everything except props because we don't have props that are really actionable on Wednesday nights. So what we're doing this year is every Friday nights, uh, Connor and I will be bringing a props only show as well as part of the move the line package. So subscribe anywhere that you're finding podcasts, uh, find us on YouTube as well and keep an eye out for that. For once the season starts, we'll probably do a pot or a prop specific show here in the preseason where we get into some of the stuff we're going to talk about them today. And we're going to dig into the NFC East. We'll talk about props there as well, but just kind of one of those all encompassing shows at the end of the season as well. So we're really excited about that. Also want to let you know, if you're not subscribing to 4 for 4, uh, you're definitely going to check that out. This is our first year of having an actual betting subscription. Um, the betting subscription is basically our top-of-the-line sub on the site. It gets you literally everything. It gets you all of the regular stuff. If you're a season-long player, if you're in best ball, if you're in DFS, it uh, gets you absolutely everything. Definitely want to check that out. Uh, there are sites that are out there now that are running promos giving you basically the yard for half off they are still more expensive than we are um and you're getting like a part of their site you can get everything for us uh, those bets are the same one that we send around text threads because we all subscribe so uh, (laughs) i support 
the betting package and it's still we were at breakfast noon and on monday morning and i even told you like you know there's no one there wasn't an audience then and i'll tell them now i was like i can't believe it's all together genuinely like that's the selling point it all comes together so yes subscribe to four for four super cheap uh, and you can get in the door because underdog is awesome daigle's repping the shirt um you can get a free four for four pro sub which is basically like a 50 dollars subscription just for dep- depositing ten dollars on underdog um, they're also going to give you twenty dollars twenty five dollars on top of that and then all you got to do is go into four for four and upgrade your package to the betting sub and you'll get everything on the site you are set for the season you're going to get all of our betting golf content. We obviously are wrapping up NBA season, but we have NBA props as well. The tools we we have coming on the NFL side are really exciting. We don't have access to those things because they were very profitable for us last year. Obviously, John Paulson and his projections are basically some of the best in the business consistently for over a decade. And leveraging those in the prop market was very profitable for us last year. We want to make sure that they're profitable for you as well. So I will... I would also show my truly can on air, but they don't sponsor us yet. So uh, when that <laughs> happens, then I'll start showing that can as well every time. We got sponsors in the works. They're, they're coming. They're coming. So exciting things that are, are happening here. And uh, hopefully we can trickle that down into more good things for the uh, the listeners. So uh, NFC East, we have, you know, Daigle's a, a Cowboys guy, um, although you wouldn't I know hate- it. You know, you know, I hate being labeled just because I have a dumb accent. Doesn't make me a quote unquote Cowboys guy. So I was going to say, what I was going to say, if you listen to Daigle's analysis, again, I'm biased. You know, before I knew John, I'm a huge fan. I he's absolutely terrific at what he does. He goes on every single show, regardless of the platform, and is masterfully prepared. I mean, you're going to get actionable stuff for it. Um, But, um. He's ready to go no matter who it is. We, we, we could be talking Texas. We could be talking anybody. But um, you wouldn't know it through his analysis that he is a Cowboys fan, allegedly. But he just, you know, he's unbiased. But give me kind of your overarching thoughts around the uh, the division here before we jump in. Over the last time I checked, plus 110 Cowboys of the NSC East, somehow favorites. We'll get to that more in a bit because there's one particular team I've already laid to win the division that odds seem a bit off. But overall, it was worst case scenario for everyone. Just the fact that Andy Dalton started a majority of games, of course, averaged a career low in yards per attempt. What did you think the offense would do? Also, the fact that in CeeDee Lamb's first year, I don't blame him for this. This is more of the McCarthy and the coaching staff not making him a tertiary receiver. He ran 97% of his routes from the slot. That's why in times, Cedric Wilson was playing over him because they just would not play cd lamb on the boundary whereas this year just like cd lamb michael gallup as well at otas who ran 97 percent of his routes from the boundary they've moved all around the formation and i would imagine that leaks into the regular season perhaps not but overall they're already trying to expand the offense and that is of course the strength of this team after they set franchise records across the board, whether it be points per game, yards per game under Mike Nolan, who's they since released. And so that's the argument, right? Is the defense was so bad that of course they're just going to naturally get better because they were that bad. But the plan was practically wrong from the draft on. They had drafted strong historically, but overall, especially like from Bill Parcells on, even under Jason Garrett, as many things they got wrong, uh, they got the draft right. But overall this year, eight of their 11 players taken were on defense. They took the only 
corners over 6'4", two guys in the draft, Deshaun Wright being one of them, that were outright reaches two rounds far too early. If you look at Arif Hassan's big board, the top 300, when he just parses through scouts and all the uh, opinions from around the internet to see who could go that high. And so they were just, they had the vision and they rolled out Dan Quinn's vision, but it was the wrong one. Also grabbing, of course, Micah Parsons off-line linebacker because all they're doing now is retreading. That's why they're not a winning organization. That's why they haven't made it past the divisional round since 1995 because they have no idea how to win. Uh, Micah Parsons is just on a treadmill, right? Like he replaces Leighton Vanderesh, most likely, who they got to eventually replace Jalen Smith, but then they extended Jalen Smith and the list goes on and on. They just can't do anything correctly because they're not a winning team. So... That's the defense one thing, but that is good for props, which I'm sure Connor will talk about, and fantasy, because we get Dak Prescott back, who these numbers probably were not going to extrapolate, but just to average 50 and a half attempts per game when he was healthy, because they had no choice. They couldn't stop anybody, and they had to put their foot on the gas and try to outscore everyone. So that, not to mention the combined 36 games that Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, and Zach Martin all missed, returning all at full health this year it from week one on. Uh, we have no more Zeke COVID fog. We have no more Zeke playing the league's second toughest rushing schedule. Zeke is my number three overall player in fantasy, and I've heard people scoff at that, not only from recency bias, but also tell you his EPA and broken tackle metrics. But again, everything, the offensive line to, uh, to the COVID, to everything else, the schedule, the list goes on and on. Not having a competent quarterback under center everything went wrong for him so that's why i have been buying in the best part about zeke too is that you don't have to pay up that much you don't have to draft him that early because he falls usually to 1.05 1.07 it was to the beginning of the sec round second round a few months back now everyone's kind of slowly catching on as all the information is being churned through so I do like this team offensively, but the defense and just the overall build is not one that tells me they're going to somehow win the division and be a force in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned the cornerbacks. It's almost like they tried to replicate the Dan Quinn, Seattle, big Mm -hmm. corner, you know, Brennan Browner and, you know, out there with Sherman. And yeah, it seems like they reached, but let's, let's see what happens with those guys. And I'm with you on the Zeke thing too. I mean, even the game, we had the Tony Pollard game where everyone's like waiting for Pollard. Pollard has a nice game against, I believe, San Francisco. But that next week against the football team, Zeke gets rushed back into a full, full normal workload. Like we just, everyone, we want that next thing. And we all think that, you know, Pollard is a nice shorts and t-shirt guy and he pops and all the metrics, but like, Mm -hmm there's a lot of incentive for them to continue to ride Zeke. And this is not a guy who is necessarily done yet. And there's plenty of tread left on the tire. So and I, I know it's, it's everyone's in shape season. Like I understand that every player at training camps in shape, but like Zeke is actually in shape when you see him. And like, there's an incentive for that. If you were to go down that path, because like after this year, like the dead money makes sense. They can move on from his contract. They can't do it this year, but they can next year. So actually he is incentivized to be the healthiest he's been since he was 20 years old. Well, it's a reset for the, uh, the conference here. We'll, we'll start with Dallas, but uh, basically all the NFC East, their non-conference schedule involves the NFC South and AFC West this year, which means each club is going to play last year's two Super Bowl squads in KC and Tampa Bay. Um, division winner, you can get Dallas at plus 125. Best place to find that is over on DraftKings. Uh, Washington's basically plus 260 to win the division at the majority of the books. Uh, if you like the Giants to get it right this year, they are 4-1 to one on FanDuel to win the division. Philly at uh, plus 550 also on FanDuel. We'll start with Dallas. 
again, as the favorites. Nine and a half wins is basically everywhere across the market. Uh, best number there I found was DraftKings. You can get plus money there, plus 107 to take the over nine and a half. Uh, if you like to shade them under, uh, FanDuel is the place to go there. They are minus 150 to make the playoffs. You can short them at plus 123 to miss the playoffs. 13 to 1 to win the NFC. 28 to 1 to win the entire thing. Um, Connor, thoughts on Dallas? Uh, again, new, we mentioned briefly there, Dan Quinn in as a defensive coordinator. We have McCarthy back, Kellen Moore back, and then, you know, Dak back, which is a big, big piece that Daigle was alluding to. Yeah, I think Daigle hit on most of the offseason moves there, which is great. Um, but I, again, the biggest question comes down to can their defense improve enough that it helps their offense? Uh, enough so that this is a good, like a playoff bound team and that, that they're the dominant force that the odds are pretty much projecting. I think that the odds are kind of already factoring that in with, I mean, Dallas at plus 125 to win the division. I get that maybe Washington and New York Giants and, uh, Philadelphia aren't really that strong of teams, but, uh, I mean, Dallas wasn't like that good with, with Dak. I mean, they were two and three, you know, in the games that he played. Um, and so like, obviously they were pouring it on, but their defense was just so, so bad. Uh, and so you're really banking on them to improve, uh, fairly dramatically. Um, with, you know, in this next season here. But we do have some player props that I do have some more takes on. So over at PointsBet, they have released player props for pretty much every team um, and usually like four to five players in different markets there. Uh, so I'll go through some of those here real quick. Dak Prescott over under 30 and a half touchdowns. Um, I think that that's light, especially in a 17-game season. And that's the biggest thing here, guys. Like this is a 17-game season. So, you know, you have to add on that extra game. And for quarterbacks, I mean, most of the time, uh, it's pretty easy to project them to play the, the entire season. Running backs, not so much. You know, there's probably going to miss one game or so. And that's what our projection guy, John Paulson, factors in generally for his projections. But uh, for Dak Prescott, he threw nine in his first, in the four and a half games he played last year. Like Daigle said, offensive line should return to being elite. Still has top tier weapons. We haven't projected for 31.6 over at four for four. Um, I like, I like the over there. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys have any takes on that one? Uh, not the prop so much, but I will say going back to their two and three, and you like you even have to parse through those because one was that win against the Giants week five that Dak went down. The other, remember, they had to get two onside kicks against oh, yeah. Atlanta, right? Yeah, against Atlanta to yep. even to, to even make that happen. So they were even farce victories. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah. I think that that makes makes a lot of sense too. I mean, their their defense just really has to be like I would say at least league average, um, or you know at league average to be really for them to be a competitive team and be the playoff chalk or, or the the league chalk. Um, CD Lamb over under eighty one and a half receptions had twenty one and a half twenty one receptions in four games with Dak last year seventy percent target share, which is second second on the team. Um, our projections only have him at seventy four receptions. Yeah. Like Daigle said, if he if he moves out outside, maybe he'll his a dot will go up. His, um, you know, maybe his target share will go down a little bit, but I mean, CD Lamb is just—he looked like phenomenal last year. I didn't. It's tough for me to bet against him, but maybe it's just a kind of a no bet for me. I have Amari Cooper higher than CD Lamb in uh, both best ball and redraft. I saw earlier for for TJ Hernandez tweeted that he was surprised people were taking CD Lamb over Amari Cooper, and then Davis Maddock in the Davis Maddock fashion responded, "Do you have eyes?" And uh, yeah, <laughs> if you if you just trying to pass the eye test, CD Lamb is a much more suave and sexier running runner in his routes than Amari Cooper, uh, and it just seems like there's always a variable 
when Cooper's on the field, there's always something that happens. But overall, he still had a, he still has a career 24% target share from Dak Prescott. Um, this will be his second season or second season and a half now working with him and under Kellen Moore. So I'm still extremely high on Amari Cooper. I don't think we need to worry about the ankle injury just yet. Uh, it seems like he's going to be available for the first day of training camp. If it goes into like, let's say the second week, that's when I'll start worrying. But right now, I'm not concerned. Yeah, let's not pretend that like Amari was not, it is not still an alpha. He really is. I, I know that it wasn't great with, with the Raiders, but like this is a prospect coming in. Like this is an offense we want to buy into. I still think he's the guy there too. I would, I'd lean Amari over, over Lamb as well. And nothing else. Like we've already outlined the concerns of Lamb kind of being contingent on staying on the field in certain packages where we just don't have that concern with Amari Cooper whatsoever. And, yeah, I want to buy all aspects of this offense. I think in big picture too, like we all want to cheer for overs. Overs are more fun. It's more sexy to cheer for. Like we want to have that happen, but like you're long-term going to be profitable shorting, especially in season long props, oh, yeah. taking unders. So when you have these things that are really close, like, you know, our projections for Dak are basically one touchdown more. We have 31.6. The over-under is 30 and a half. There are so many outs for the under to come into play with missed games um, just all sorts of variants that can happen. So in general, unless you're really conviction, you know, a lot of conviction, our number really clears the number. It's probably a no better or an under more times than not. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, and then the last one here was Zeke over under 15 and at hundred or 1550 rushing and receiving yards, um, which again, probably a no bet for me, but I do think that to Daigle's point, I think that the, the Tony Pollard taking over Zeke's role is just a pipe dream. And that if you actually think that, then you're, you're kidding yourself that the Cowboys would actually do that. Um, unless, uh, unless Zeke is, uh, healthy or unless Zeke is not healthy. That's, that's actually an interesting number because Zeke averaged a career high seven and a half targets from Dak Prescott last year. Um, so again, small sample first month of the season, but extrapolate those numbers and he, gets there quite easily, especially because we know he's the workhorse. Um, maybe Tony Pollard in 2022, maybe, but honestly, the way the organization runs, I could just see his four years coming up in his contract and him walking, honestly, uh, yeah. because he never got a shot behind Zeke. He averaged seven and a half touches per game in the 15 other games he played with Zeke, and that was while Zeke went through injury as well, just starting and still taking away inefficient touches last year. Um, not to mention just one game for fantasy inside the top 35, which was, of course, the one game Zeke missed. His first game he missed for injury reasons since his freshman year at Ohio State because the dude is still a young 26. Uh, so, yeah, I think we, I genuinely think we get one more blow-up massive year from Zeke. And then that's when in dynasty leagues, this upcoming off season in 2022, you flip the hell out of him because uh, that's going to be it. But he has one more swan song to sing for us. Yeah. It's a site we have him at RB4. I'm, I'm with Daigle. I, I have him personally. That's, at still, RB4. that's still above consensus too. Like that's above the industry as well. It is. And yeah, our projection is just shy of this numbers, pretty close to maybe a little conservative, but um, I think we're a little low. I personally on the rushing number, but uh, this is a combined prop. But uh, I, I think that, there are, I want to buy Zeke. Maybe it's the best is to continue to buy him above market in best ball, you know, in season long and high stakes and maybe leave the prop number alone and attack him in season, uh, you know, week to week versus the, the season long number. Agreed. Uh, right. Um, we have a lean on the nine and a half anywhere. We're going to move on to the uh, football team. Nope. No lean. What's the over? Is it a minus? No, over plus 107 on DraftKings. Plus. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Don't have don't have a bet, don't have a lean. Um, but yeah, okay, that's interesting. 
Washington football team uh, running it back from a coordinator standpoint. Obviously, some changes, though, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, eight, eight and a half is the number. Obviously, either way, you probably want to attack the eight and a half. If you like it over, it's even money on FanDuel. You like the under, you can lay minus 115 on points bet. They are plus 150 to make the playoffs. Uh, you can find that as well on points bet. They are minus 180 to miss the playoffs. Anywhere from 22 to 27 to 1 to win the NFC. You get that 27 to 1 on FanDuel, and they are 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, an upgrade at quarterback. Um, Alex Smith, sorry, Sal. Great story. I'm really uh, happy that he hung it up. He came back, he tackled it, he, he, he did the thing, right? It was an incredible story for him to have got back there and, and to come back and to bow out. Go enjoy your wife and your kids. Uh, it just, you're not that guy anymore, unfortunately. They were 30 seconds in offensive DVOA, uh, but still went to the playoffs on the legs of a third overall defensive unit, which is only, I think, got a little bit stronger here in the offseason. So, uh, Daigle, thoughts on the Washington football team? We mentioned not betting Cowboys division winner because another team is out there and Washington is double Cowboys money uh, plus 250. I'm sure if you line shop, if you all have a better line, let me know at the end here. But that is my favorite team to win the NFC East. Uh, I'm not here, Sal, to talk trash on Alex Smith. Like I said, it really was genuinely a good story. Amazing story. Amazing story. My wife bought the hoodie. We got the Alex Smith gear. It's inspirational. I made my son watch the E60 story. It's great. I remember playing. Thanks for coming. I remember attending the Roto-Grounders basketball game two years ago in Nashville on the weekend of the Super Bowl 49ers and Chiefs. And I like played the basketball game. Didn't hurt myself. We were on the winning team. That's not why I brought it up. But the next day, like, I couldn't get out of bed. Over Zet Reeves, everyone was laughing at me because I was walking around like a 60-year-old man. Um, and I run. like I do some cardio here. Uh, and so now to know how much I hurt and to think that Alex Smith like a year later came back from like the most gruesome thing I've ever seen, like, no, that would have put me down for the next 40 years. Uh, so let alone one year return to play NFL football better than Dwayne Haskins, good for you, pal. I'm happy for you. Having said that, the offense is going to change completely. Alex Smith still led the league in rate of passes at or behind the line of scrimmage whereas insert ryan fitzpatrick now who led the league in rate of passes from the six to ten yards out from the line of scrimmage the intermediate level also ryan fitzpatrick has been good and i totally understand there's concern that anytime he's had a starting opportunity uh he basically folded it in called it a day and then he went back to the bench but going all the way back to 2018 for fantasy purposes. And that's not the end-all, be-all of stats I know, but it does highlight his good performances that he's been a QB1, a top-12 finish in fantasy, in 16 of his last 26 starts going back to the Bucks, including four of six of the Dolphins last year. He did not get benched for, for, for performance at all. Uh, he was not turning the ball over. He got benched because it was the blueprint, and of course they had a top-six quarterback, and thus they had to continue with the plan moving forward. Uh, right now, even though Fitzpatrick is a bridge quarterback, the guy at the end of that bridge is not there. It's not Taylor Heineke. Um, and so if he were benched, it would not be because like it's the plan. It would simply because he played himself out of the position. But not only does he make the offense more explosive for better or worse, we'll see what happens. It also goes back to the defense, of course. Five first-rounders on the defensive line alone, not to mention another one added in the linebacking core now with Jameen Davis and William Jackson, who was a league average player with the Bengals last year, but has shown just two years ago his ceiling being an elite shadow shutdown corner. So overall, I just think they got tremendously better 
They should not be the favorites because uh, Dak Prescott is still clearly the best quarterback in the division, but the line should be much, much closer, which is why I think they're a great bet because it's just off. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, William Jackson has profiled that way before. Um, I think they kind of you know backed into a seventh-round rookie, Cameron Curl, last year who played really well. Um, they just they have a nice secondary that can work there too. And obviously when you have young Allen, Payne, Sweat up front, uh, it makes things a lot, a lot easier. So um, they're an exciting team. There is some continuity too in the coaching staff with Turner um, coming back. The one thing that's interesting, and I want to get uh, you guys' take on this, Curtis Samuel coming over, another f- free agent addition. Um, Samuel had that one year where that last year in Carolina – where he was basically just with not last year where he was running a lot more of intermediate short routes, but he was basically just the burner, but that was with Scott Turner. So I'm wondering if we see him maybe use him in a similar way. It wasn't really highly efficient for Curtis Samuel. It's made me a little reluctant to take him in best ball because I do like him. and I like him as part of this offense. I like him as a secondary addition to Terry McLaurin, but my concern is that he just kind of is that field clearer, similar to how he was used in Carolina. What are your thoughts on that, Daigle? I am there too. I would say I'm below everyone, but also like it's not that I have a strong opinion that I don't want Curtis Samuel. I just can't really get there at the range he's going now, even though I do like the talent. Again, it was only four games, very small sample. Recall that in 2019 with the Panthers, whenever North Turner got fired, he had that stretch where he worked with Scott Turner. And the issue was that he was used completely different than he was last year under Joe Brady. Uh, he averaged four yards per target under Scott Turner because they just like pretty much dumped the ball off to him. And I've also listened to a couple of the underdog podcasts that Josh Norris and Hayden Winks are doing. And they've had beat writers on who suggest that Adam Humphreys is a slot guy. So I, Curtis Samuel absolutely fits in. Like that's a player they targeted for his skill set. I just am not sure we're yet. Uh, the good news is it's negligent competition. Like they have no one else really besides a- Adam Humphreys and Danami Brown, who's probably a splash player. Like he's going to be seldom involved, um, but he will make plays and he'll probably spike a few games here and there, especially towards the end of the year. So I am not one drafting a lot of Curtis Samuel, um, but I would like someone else to sell me on him because that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. All right, Connor, the props. Um, Some nice numbers on fits in the touchdown market. I think there's a little bit of built-in, you know, concern about him maxing out to Daigle's point. Like he's typically not held the starting job throughout the entire season. 22 and a half touchdowns is the prop number. Um, I think there are some ways to attack that. I know that we've actually, I believe Sam wrote that up on the site. Um, Talk to us about the props that you like here. Yeah, so I, I took the 22.5 over for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that he's in a great scenario with um, them adding some some help for him in terms of uh, well, still retaining uh, Logan Thomas, retaining Terry McLaurin, adding Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, and even De'Ami Brown I think could make a difference as well. Um, so, But yeah, for, for him, I like the over there. Um, but this team in general, I actually took one of my biggest positions on the over at eight wins. Um, if you can still find that at some shops. Uh, for a little bit of juice at minus 140, I would still consider laying that. I think that in a 17-game season, you're literally only asking this team to be above average. You're asking them to win nine games um, and go nine and eight, basically, and hit the over on this bet. Um, last year, too, if you look at their... Um, they were two and five in one score games, which tends to regress year over year with league bottom QB play, which you guys mentioned. And they still won seven games in a, in a 16 game season. I mean, they addressed their weaknesses, retained players that contribute to their strengths. 
So I think that betting on them to win nine games is like very, very easy. And I would, I would even consider taking alternate win totals over. So if you can find like even like a nine and a half, I know that, um, you know, Joey Kanish and some other, uh, sports betters get really into that, like the alt win totals. And, you know, even, even haters like Joey Kanish can, can cash in on the Bills win totals, you know, by, by understanding the variance of teams and that most of the time, um, there's been studies done. Team win totals are actually more than two games off, um, on average, uh, like basically year to year. So like, you know, right now you're looking at a win total of eight wins for Washington. You know, like the likelihood is that they'll either be at 10 wins or six wins probably. And somewhere, you know, in, in that range. So, um, yeah. So I think for me, I think that's, that's one of my favorite bets and to win the division I took as well. Do you have Gibson props? Um, there is one. So there's Antonio Gibson over under 13 and a half, 100, 1300 and a half receiving yards. And I think that this one actually, so, I think it really comes down to his pass game usage. You mean so his, like, his combined yards, right? Uh, rushing, receiving, rushing, okay. receiving. Yes, yeah, so. thirteen hundred receiving yards. Like we need to get higher on Tim. <laughs> let's let's take it under. The um, market is clearly high. Yeah, I mean, do you do you think that he gets the pass game usage that uh, they're talking about, or no? I think he bites more into it uh, because, well, I mean, people don't realize like if you're just looking up and looking at things, like JD McKissick had hundred and ten targets last year. <laughs> Absolute. Insanity doesn't make any sense at all. So I think he takes a piece of that. How big a piece? I'm slightly skeptical. Uh, and by the way, when you're talking for fantasy and everything, it's just hard because in that range, like everyone wants to be higher, like, you know, status quo. It's like, oh, everyone needs to be higher on this guy. But like to get higher on Gibson, like you start, then you have to start asking yourself because in that RB2 range or the end of RB1 range, it's Aaron Jones, Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, uh, Clyde Erdslayer, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris. Like how do you get higher on him? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure a way out. So I have him like a fringe RB1. Uh, and then you also have to remember, even though he did finish 12th in fantasy points per game last year, he also spiked two good games against the Cowboys. Other than that, was only over 75 yards rushing one more time, 94 yards against the Bengals. So basically he had two good games because even in that Bengals game, he scored a touchdown, but he only had one catch as well. So I think it increases, thus making him still a low-end RB1. But even as like a second-year breakout guy, like I can't get there and I can't take him over someone like CEH who is in the same boat except Gibson for some reason is getting much more pub than Edwards Alaire. Although Edwards Alaire at least showed for six weeks last year without Le'Veon Bell, he was given everything. Like they just rode him. So he has like already proof of being a war workhorse under the same coaching staff as well. Um, so yeah, I'm not as high as everyone else, but I'm, I'm high on him. Sure. I get it. Yeah. yeah I love him too. I just, it's a little bit of, Sticker shock, I think, after getting so many 16, 17, 18 round shares last year, which made my best ball season extremely profitable. Now to have to pay this freight that's really increased, even from like March uh, when I started, I think there's just been so much helium over the last couple of months in the industry. And now it's driving the price to a point where, to Daigle's point, like to be higher on him, you're having to take a stand that is a little bit rich for me. Because we're really banking on some unknowns. We're really banking on him taking a massive chunk of that passing game work uh, to be an all-purpose, you know, top 15, top 18 pick in fantasy. 1,300 yards is is quite a lot. We haven't projected 1,226. So we're, we're under. 
No, yeah, I'd say thirteen under is pretty juicy. Uh, I, I'd like to know if there's a rushing only prop somewhere out there, even like at an exotic book, because you would think with a better defense, like game scripts make more sense. Where no matter what, they'll still ride, have opportunities to ride him more because they're just a better and overall safer team. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, I mean they they will post props for him. It's mostly just that like points bet, uh, just like posts like four random props for like every player team. DraftKings has only posted the most popular players. Um, so yeah, I mean, and some other books don't even have it at all. Um, but then, uh, friend of the sh- phone. we'll set a yeah, show up for friend of the show Sal um, said that Gibson will be the highest scoring fantasy player in twenty twenty one, bringing the heat. So I was just trying to draw me off sides. You can't yeah, lie, no. buddy. It's my off season. Just playing golf. <laughs> uh, I'm in like, I'm sure people watching the video notice, but like this is Rich Rebar's background because I'm at his house right now. <laughs> and when we talk about the Giants, his son, Braden, is a very big Giants fan. I've invited him up here uh, for a debate. I don't know if he's going to take it. He's downstairs playing baseball. I'm sure he hears my voice ringing through the house right now. But uh, But yeah, when we get there, I'm sure he'll hear my Giants takes and not be pleased. I can bring him on for that for sure. Uh, Connor was mentioning you don't even have to, to take the juice on the eight anymore because you can get eight and a halves. Uh, that's kind of what I was holding out for. And now you can get an eight and a half uh, for even money on FanDuel. So it, no use of, of taking the eights. Um, I believe it was Drew Dinsick, um, friend of the show, Whale Capper, that did a lot of research. It was great. I want to say it was maybe two years ago. I think it was like two and a half wins on average over the course of like five years. The win totals, even though they get bet into a lot they're not sharp uh year to year so to connor's point the there is something in the alt market there's a lot of variance uh when you look over you know a pretty large swath of data so uh terry mclaurin should thrive with a more dgaff style quarterback less check down charlie of alex smith um a little bit more vertical offense mclaurin over under 1250 we have him just to take over at 12 67 McLaurin also bunched up with some other terrific receivers because some of the aforementioned guys on Dallas. Uh, where do you stand on McLaurin deal to this point? Literally the best quarterback in his entire career he's played with was Case Keenum. That's who's gotten the most at him so far. Uh, it's obviously an immense upgrade from anyone he's ever played with. So I actually lean towards that overprop. Uh, again, I haven't bet it, so take that with a grain of salt. I'm just I'm just hearing these props thrown at me for the first time, so I can be naturally excited or turned off by them. But yeah, uh, we are all hoping that this is finally McLaurin's career year after he's done so much already with so little under center. I think there's a consensus, though, that getting this at plus 260 to win this division, uh, double of, of what you can get Dallas for, is it just seems like a nice number plus 150 to make the playoffs. Even if you're really bullish on Dallas, uh, this feels like a playoff team. If they were able to back in last year, there's so much working in their favor again, to be 32nd in offensive DVOA uh, and to still make the playoffs. Despite that, like there are massive strides here that can be made. Um, they have both KC and Tampa, two tough games on the schedule. Those are both at home, which is nice. Again, you have to play them. You'd rather play them at home which is fortunate as well. All right, we'll move on to the Giants. Uh, Giants, seven, seven and a half for their win totals. We mentioned earlier, they are four to one to win the division. Um, you can get an over on the seven and a half at plus 105 on points bets. Uh, under seven is plus money everywhere. You can find an under seven and a half at minus 134 at points bet. Lay a little bit of juice there. They are plus two and a quarter. To make the playoffs, uh, you can short them at minus 265. 
They are anywhere from 28 to 33 to 1 to win the NFC uh, and 66 to 1 to win the Super Bowl everywhere. Obviously, uh, it comes down to Daniel Jones as make or break this year. Uh, they've obviously added some weapons, bringing in Kenny Galladay, uh, trading back into the first round to address the receiver position as well. Carries Tony. Um, really not doing anything, though, to address an offensive line. That was a massive problem. Uh, Jones was pressured uh, 41% of his dropbacks last year. Only Sam Darnold was pressured more. Uh, the defense, I think, made some strides. They had some nice games where they popped. I think they have a nice secondary. Not only was their offensive line worst in rushing grade, their defensive line had the 32nd ranked uh, pass rush grade as well. So even though the defense does have some nice pieces, and I think there was a lot of thought of this being kind of an elite unit, I think that there's some flaws there too. So, uh, Daigle, thoughts on the Giants? To your point, uh, Patrick Graham and the defense did make strides. Patrick Graham is awesome. Like It, it would not be shocking if we look back two years from now and uh he ha- he's a head coach and it comes to find out that oh yeah graham was actually the smartest man in that room compared to joe judge too mm-hmm. uh the defense just allowed over 30 points twice last year the issue of course it always goes back to daniel jones and the offense is daniel jones an nfl quarterback that is a legitimate question we do not have an answer to it's easy to improve on 30 turnovers as a rookie uh, and even then, he had 22. So it's not like it was a vast improvement. And I know p- people say, okay, we inject Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, even Kyle Rudolph, if you want to say Jason Garrett, 12 personnel, whatever, into this offense, and thus they're better. And so you can look at their bottom three in points per game and just total points and say, okay, this can improve with this talent. But the issue is they were also bottom three in plays per game. They were a sluggish, non-voluminous offense. And so that is what I'm scared about is that, okay, you have this talent, sure, but it doesn't mean you're going to get faster and it certainly doesn't mean you're going to score more, especially if you have a backup quarterback under center. We all know Daniel Jones is at his best, like anyone playing in the NFL when it's a clean pocket, has completed 70% of his passes from a clean pocket last year, for instance. But then, of course, when it all craters, just like Jared Goff, 47% completion rate all goes together. And while they did go out and spend the money, they bet against themselves, but whatever. Dave Gettleman has one more year. He knows it. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Not his problem if it doesn't work out, so spend all the money you want. The issue is they still didn't put anything into a horrid offensive line, which is the key to keeping Daniel Jones not terrified at quarterback. Um, Andrew Thomas, who was actually... And for what I know about offensive linemen, which is not much, um, I had him with the highest floor when I wrote the NBC Sports Edge draft blurbs among the big four tackles that got drafted last year, and he finished second among all tackles and pressures allowed. Matt Pert, they are convinced he's a good player, but we have not ever seen Matt Pert be a good player at right tackle, so I don't know what they're doing. And that is genuinely my concern, is can Daniel Jones do something with Jason Garrett? Can he improve? Can he be good? Because first-round draft capital in year three only gets you so far especially because it's dave gettleman first round draft capital which is easier to scoff at so i am open but very 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 concerned this team is uh mediocre at best and i would attribute that to their defense if they are middle of the road yeah what are your thoughts here connor there's some props here in the market daniel jones passing touchdowns is out there on points bets uh, and some other ones with the offensive weapons too yeah, I mean, I I think that this uh, like this Giants team, like the bull case for them, like da- like Daigle said, the defense reaches like fringe top ten status, and that you know Daniel Jones takes the next step, um, but despite his offensive line, and that like the weapons mattered, and that he steps up. I mean, we've seen him be good, 
occasionally. It's just that it's not nearly frequently enough. And the fumbles like, are insane to me. Like I, it is. I get like the it's insane. It's insane. Like interceptions yeah. are going to happen, but like the how do you how are you fumbling that much? And and the eleven was just lost. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I believe he still had twenty. Um, and he still like got back nearly half. Like it was horrible. Yeah. Um. So we have a we have a prop from actually twenty three and a half passing touchdowns. Our projections have it right at twenty three and point one. I mean, I you know I want to take the under there, but like. You know, realistically, I think that every time he gets in the red zone, he gets kind of just like tossed it to Kenny Galladay and have probably decent success. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of off that one, even though our projections like the under there. Um, we have Evan Ingram over under 53 and a half receptions. Our projections have it at 60. Um, I, I don't know how anyone can have much, like a ton of faith in Evan Ingram. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's it's fine if you really do believe in him. Um, Kenny Galladay over under 1,050 receiving yards. Uh, we have him projected for 949. Um, and I, I again, I think he could very easily crush. We've seen Daniel Jones support Darius Slayton occasionally for big games here and there. Um, but again, it's way too far and few between. Like, you know, Kenny Galladay could turn into, you know, the next Odell Beckham in some sense and really just do absolutely nothing um, or be a major disappointment in a lot of senses. And so I, I just don't know what, what, you know, scenario we're going to see, whether it's going to be the Stefan Diggs scenario with Josh Allen, where he elevates his game or whether it's going to be, you know, another good receiver like Odell Beckham going to Baker Mayfield where they didn't connect. So uh, sorry to cut you off. I just, I hate the bills, Josh Allen. Like it's, that's just wrong. Like it's people have, they're not going to, because I'm just little pee on voice. I know in the industry, but like, uh, they got to stop the comparisons there because it's not even close. Like the whole, point of that was like josh allen had talent he had a big arm and he could run and it was chaos and honestly like the bills and josh allen were much more fun to watch when he was chaos like last year like they were but good, josh allen was, heading into his third year was not good he was not good but he was very middle of the road okay probably better than daniel jones any this year but likewise he was not good like he was but, like but he, he had not- all the traits he could throw 60 yards downfield. He could run the ball, and he still had some vision, right? And so they built the team around him. Daniel Jones has none of that. Yeah, like they, Daniel yeah. Jones is very barely athletic. Daniel Jones does not have a good arm, and he's not accurate. Like there is no Bills breakout coming, especially because it takes an intuitive, progressive mind like to hire like Brian Dable, and then they have to actually have the whole organization buying in and saying, "What does this guy do? Oh, he can launch it downfield. What if we just get two of the best deep ball trackers in the league? Great. Give whatever you can to Fawn Diggs and just throw them in there together. Let's see what happens. Like it's great. Then you also have to stop giving your running back carries because screw your running backs. Bills running backs average the fourth fewest touches per game last year like and they know it's because efficiency like these guys just they can break tackles but they're not explosive zach moss and devil singletary don't matter so they just won't give them touches it's genius football that's how you win games whereas the giants ain't doing that like evan ingram ran over 60 over 60 percent of his routes were curl routes because and that's why he was finally healthy for 16 games for the first time in his career but he still finished with career lows and catches and yards per game because jason garrett just doesn't know what the hell he's doing so like none of it literally seven things none of it goes together like the bills yeah no no i I, you know i don't want you to get mistaken there there's nothing that i want to compare this giants team to that bills team the only comparison i was saying was a quarterback getting a new receiver who has shown to be good Sure. And that is most, it. That yeah. is it. Yes. That is uh, it. You know, because they're entirely different. Two entirely arms, different. And I believe he breathes oxygen. <laughs> getting a wide receiver. Those are the things. Yes, that are similar. Uh, red, uh, white, and blue uniforms. Red, white, and blue uniforms. Yeah, so we, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, it was the uniform thing. It must have thrown me off a little bit. So the Evan Ingram prop for all the things I just mentioned, by the way, like that's also kind of interesting too because he did that. Like everyone is citing his 21.8% target share as a reason to like buy back in. But he, of course, did that when like all the bodies collapsed around him. Now we have an injection of players that matter. Uh, also, like, again, Evan Ingram just didn't do anything with those targets as well. Plus Kyle Rudolph also competing at the position. They have tried to trade Evan Ingram two years in a row now. Like, they aren't high on him. Um, guys like Kyle Shanahan, who would know what to do with him, have tried to breach into that organization and bring him back because they would know how to use him. So I'm fairly down on Evan Ingram compared to everyone else, even the prop number. Yeah, they brought in Kyle Rudolph, who can basically be Jason Witten, can slide right in and run all those curl routes that Ingram's going to do. The receivers are interesting. You have Sterling Shepard, who talented, but like just cannot not get concussed. Um, It is probably a concussion away from, uh, from maybe never playing again. You have Darius Slayton, who's popped, who's shown... Uh, at times when given an opportunity that he has some playmaking skills down the field feels pretty redundant to maybe a poor man, Kenny Galladay. Uh, so I don't really know where he slides into the picture. And then they draft kind of a gadgety older senior that performed well uh, one year in college in Kadarius Tony that um, I, I don't know. He slide into on the outside. Does he work in the slot, which he did a lot in Florida? Like they do seem to have, at least some options here to support Jones if he can get the ball out quick enough to survive. So again, I don't know if it's enough. I would want to be, um, you know, shorting the Giants here. I don't think that this is a playoff team. I don't think that they're on the on the come. I don't think there are any uh, Buffalo Bills corollary issues here as well. We do have two pretty good comeback player of the year candidates in the division. Already talked about Dak, and then obviously Saquon. Um, Saquon has a combined rushing and receiving prop at 1500 yards. Uh, Connor thoughts on that. Uh, so our projections actually have them like a good bit lower at 1325. Uh, they already talked about how he's probably gonna be eased back in a little bit. Um, but let's talk about that. Do we believe that? Um, yeah. maybe. Yes, I do. But you also so? like, so if you think purposes. Saquon goes out and he is okay through training camp and he looks good, and in week one, do you think that they are really going to be – do you think we're seeing 60 75% snap Saquon? That's actually a good number. 60, yeah, for, for a couple games at least. And then when they realize he's completely healthy, they'd probably unleash him earlier than that month timeline if that's the real timeline they're working with. But I can see it happening. Uh, the issue is like he still is the type of back, like the big explosive guy with no competition that is still going to get every touch – um, so that's why he's still in the top tier there for fantasy. And also it's a 17 game season. So I'm really not sure like limited touches for a couple games. I, I really don't know how much that matters. It's ultimately going to come down. Like, are you healthy and getting these touches? Great. Uh, we're start drafting you in the first round. We're playing you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing is just because th- there's really nothing behind him. He is incredible when he's on the field. I just have a hard time envisioning him showing that he's okay. And then having just some sort of arbitrary cutoff, snap percentage or snap number where they're pulling him off the field, but everything else looks good. Uh, you know, so what are you actually managing him from? If he's actually healthy, if he's healthy enough to play, let him go. I don't know. You also mentioned 
we're not sure where Darius Tony plays. Uh, news at OTAs is that he is playing the slot, and they're actually trying to keep Sterling Shepard on the outside, which is odd, but not surprising since Shepard historically has been better from the slot. He's averaged more yards per route run throughout his career than the outside. Also, why he had a down year last year. A few things there with injuries, and he has a concussion history, but also just the fact that they would permanently play Golden Tate in the slot rather than really making them interchangeable. Sterling Shepard Shepard actually played a career high in routes from the boundary just last year. And so I thought it was going to be better. It's like, okay, here's this little dump off target for Daniel Jones. That could help move the chains a little bit. But of course, they're sticking him on the outside with Slayton and Kadarius Tony in the middle and uh, Kenny Galladay, of course. So I think Slayton is the odd man out. Um, not surprising that he's popped as a fifth rounder since he wasn't a fifth rounder. He fell for off the field reasons. He was actually a top 75 Dane Brugler guy when he was coming out in the draft. So uh, it was surprising to see him fall that far. But overall, he looks like the odd man out given that it's still first round draft capital for a gadget player a full-time slot receiver not sure how they're going to use him honestly but from the slot is where he'll be yeah it'll be interesting i'm not interested in minus 265 for them to miss the playoffs but i don't think that this is a playoff team personally especially thinking that washington is and dallas has so many more paths to being a second playoff team in this division. So I just don't see a unit on the Giants being significant enough to carry them. Like I, I think that the, the defense is solid. Um, I think they were a little overrated last year, but I think there are enough pieces that for them to sustain being a six, seven win team, maybe, but that that's putting them right on their number as well and not putting them into a playoffs in a 17 game season. So, all right, we'll wrap it up with the Eagles. Uh, coaching change here. Uh, Sirianni, Steichen coming in. Um, six and a half is the number basically everywhere. And over that, and minus 140 on FanDuel. Under is plus money on the points bet at plus 125. They are plus 260 to make the playoffs. They are 44 to 1 on FanDuel to win the NFC. They are 30 basically everywhere else. So if you are bullish on the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, FanDuel is your place. Uh, 85 to win uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, that is also on FanDuel. They are very generous compared to the market. So someone at FanDuel not buying this uh, this Eagles club whatsoever. Uh, Diggle, thoughts on this team? Again, we talked about some of the offensive line issues that the Cowboys had to start this show. The Eagles were also decimated up front all year last year, uh, turning it over, obviously, new coaching staff, new quarterback. A lot of thoughts because the Eagles are uh... – odd one like they could be fun they could win this division or they could absolutely tank and be disastrous Um, and there's really no in between you start at left tackle where Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata are competing for the starting spot but Dillard was bad really bad in replacing Peters even though Dillard was the 2019 first round pick that should have stepped up and grabbed the torch immediately. And Mylotta is a, uh, I don't know if anyone like pays attention to offensive line guys, but he's an Australian rugby guy who has yet to play like a regular NFL season game. Like he just, he doesn't have any reps under his belt. Like he's the competing starting left tackle. So still a bit disastrous on the front line, but, and if I'm, Missiding this. I don't believe I am. I apologize to Pro Football Focus. I believe they put out their, you know, bottom five personnel on Twitter and uh, the Eagles were in there. And that's, that's wrong too, because like their personnel is actually pretty strong. They have a few holes, I understand. But, uh, but overall, I think they have a lot of good players. It all comes back to Jalen Hurts and the uphill battle. He has to climb though, because recall last year, weeks five through eight, when the Bills 
had to pay their penance for the COVID outbreak that the Titans had. And then it just became short game, short week after short week, no buy rest in total, 17 days of rest jammed in between four games. That's it. That was a complete fluke. That's not supposed to happen in an NFL season. And yet with this schedule we have, we saw on schedule release day, the Eagles have this four game stretch in the middle of the year that they actually have 17 days of rest crammed in between basically four short weeks. And those four, those two of those four short weeks include the Chiefs and Bucks. And at the end of that run, the Bucks, they then go off, the Eagles do, and play five of their next games on the road. Pretty tough schedule, honestly. Um, and then you have to remember that with the Carson Wentz trade, get a conditional first round pick back. So they have at least four picks in the first two rounds next year. It could be two first rounders if Carson Wentz plays over 75% of the Colts snaps. So they are looking for a quarterback. They have the leverage and draft capital. They will gladly give it all for Spencer Rattler, Sam Howe, whoever the hell is going to be number one overall. They don't mind that at all. It all comes down to whether Jalen Hurts sinks or swims, and I genuinely don't know, just because I do worry about his arm talent. He was never a good passer. Like His completion rate was much higher um, with Oklahoma, but also he had a much in my opinion, much more intelligent personnel man and play caller in Lincoln Riley yeah. than the yes man himself, Nick Sirianni, who was only hired to do the bidding of those above him. And now, like, remember, Jalen Hurts, as fun as he was, still completed just 52% of his passes last year. Like, it was pretty atrocious. He either runs or he chucks it deep. And now you have a better receiver like Devontae Smith to track those balls deeper. Um, no longer Carson Wentz chucking it up to another first-rounder who's forgotten, Jalen Rager as well. But overall, it's a giant question mark. So I don't have a bet. I don't know, but like that's the scenario. And Jalen Hurts has one year to get this right. Otherwise, he's out of there. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is not a dynasty hold. He is uh, someone you want to maybe get into this year, but there's not. there are so many outs, like Daigle just said. Like They have the draft capital, and they have the chance to, to be one of the bottom three teams in the league if things go sideways here. So, um, Connor, I know you're interested in Hurts, especially you know knowing, projecting him out to get 15, 16, maybe 17 starts uh, in the fantasy market, in the prop market. What are your thoughts on Hurts and then some of the other props here for Philadelphia? Yeah, so it's over under here, 24 and a half passing and rushing touchdowns combined. Uh, we haven't projected for 29 combined touchdowns. And I mean, I agree kind of that if he starts all 17 games, I think the over is definitely in play there. Oh, if he uh, starts all 17, that's the easiest bet you'll make all year. Yeah, yeah the question exactly. is the 17 games. Yeah, I mean, rushing alone, I, I think that he should end up with like five or six rushing touchdowns, you know, if not more. Um, and, you know, passing, I think he could end up in with 20 or 18, you know, very easily, banging on just a little bit more than one a game. Um, and, and they, they added weapons around him, you know, with, uh, drafting Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders, a good pass switching back. Um, Dallas Goddard's obviously talented tight end. Um, and maybe they get something out of Jalen Rager. Who knows? That seems like, you know, maybe not, but maybe they do. But the issue is that if you kind of go back, like maybe I misremember the games, like for some reason, I have this picture in my head of him being actually like decent in those games. The stats do not tell the same story. Um, you go back his best completion bridge completion percentage in a single game in the four games that he started uh, and played the majority of 56 percent um that's bad that that is very bad uh most of them were around 53 54 percent he lost three of his four games that he started uh, one of them obviously being the washington game that he got pulled that they probably would have won uh, if he had stayed in the entire time instead of deferring to nate sudfeld and openly tanking which was you know good on them but uh you know all the, the football guys were up in arms over that 
Um, <laughs> but but again, their only win was over uh, you know a Taysom Hill led Saints team. So you know really. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's really all that impressive either. So I'm not really sure that the and other losses were against Arizona, uh, Dallas team, which uh, that did not have Dak, and then with the Washington game. So again, you know, they get their offensive line back, they have weapons. I mean, there's a bull case for Jalen Hurts, but like you said, it's a sink or swim scenario here for him, and I think that it it could be really tough for him if he and, doesn't put it all together. And he averaged 12 carries per game in those three full starts he made, and uh, that's why the Winterfell crowned him the breaker of tears because he could emerge as like a top five quarterback if he starts all 17 games. But again, that's the looming question mark here. Even like the arm talent is what we continue talking about. But I recall that Cowboys game since I'm a quote unquote Cowboys fan and like they planted their linebackers. They were basically told, sit on this dude. He is not running on us today. And he beat them with his arm. Like he was so good in that game. It of course was the Cowboys linebackers who they shouldn't have any of their linebackers because like they're all atrocious and yet they extended them all for some reason otherwise. But yeah, it just comes down to hurts, honestly. And I don't know which direction it goes. In uh, the composite com- com- combination of completion percentage over expectation and EPA, some of the stuff from Ben Baldwin and uh, their really cool site, he was dead last in his five, yeah. in those five appear and like by a significant margin if you actually like if you look at the ranking he was last but if you look at the actual metric he was like almost zero uh and is almost like a half point like lower than anyone else so he was yeah. he was bad he was really was bad but uh, we seem to be pretty bullish on Devonte smith i mean his prop number is at 750 and a half we haven't projected at 948 um he seems Jeez. to be okay. you, the guy there um according to paulson there so uh, what are your thoughts there daigle is that someone you're targeting so far in best ball or um, are you bullish on him kind of being the alpha there? There are some smarter minds that are higher on him than me, um, but no one can – I haven't heard really anyone sell him to me just yet. Like there hasn't been a good reason or a valid one to think he will clearly get a higher target share than Jalen Rager, who's moving from the slot. And I, I know we're all down on Jalen Rager. I heard it in Connor when he said, who knows what they get out of him. But like we're still only – essentially two years removed from Jalen Rager averaging over two yards per route run with TCU. Of course, then he gets to his final year and they have a true freshman quarterback, Max Dugan, who's terrible. And he's one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the entire nation. So we forget about that. Jalen Rager is still an athlete, still test. Well, still a very good first round prospect. And then last year, of course, playing with Carson Wentz and injured. So I just don't think we've had a real chance in two years to see Jalen Rager play, but again, also a first round guy. Will Devonta Smith be a better NFL player? Most likely, but I don't know why their difference in ADP right now is like seven rounds essentially That's and massive. why Devonta Smith commands a tire, higher target share just by showing up. So I have none because I think he's going too high, but that prop seems like a pretty low one, yes. Yeah, 750 feels pretty light. What are your thoughts, Connor? I mean, did you go back and grind the, the Jalen Rager tape, uh, Dago, or what, bro? I mean, when you when you write the draft blurbs, it just like sticks up here. <laughs> no, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, lean over. I trust Paulson. Not something I'm jumping to go get. I just think that he's like Hertz, very volatile. Probably gonna be a low volume offense. Uh, you know, other legitimate targets. So, I mean, I think this can easily go either way. So, probably not taking it. We also have a Miles Sanders prop here, eleven hundred and fifty and a half rushing plus receiving yards combined. We have him projected for uh, close to 1,200 at 1,191. Uh, I'm not sure how much Hurts cap Sanders upside. 
you know, as a rushing QB, uh, I believe in the games that he started, he targeted um, Sanders at like a 10% target share. Uh, and then Boston Scott was, I think, like 3 or 4%, something like that. So it's not like he didn't target running, didn't target the running back position, which I know that some other rushing quarterbacks don't really do as frequently. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this one, again, is probably about right. It's nothing that I'm running to, running to bet, but uh, I think that, you know, if you there is a bull case for Miles Sanders as well. Uh, that'll be more efficient with Jalen Hurts, but uh, yeah, it's not something I'm into. The, the, the yeah, interesting. Bet that if you think that Sanders is the workhorse, and he was last year in the three full games with Hurts. The issue is this is a new coaching staff, and they've made it pretty clear. Like they continue to be adamant that this is a committee, that everyone has a role to play. And honestly, it sounds like Miles Sanders gets those empty touches between the twenties, and then they have their. Although it's like not a sexy one, but they have their Boston Scott for inside the 10. They have a Kenneth Gainwell to be the third down guy, like Sprolesy and light kind of player. And so that would be my concern with that prop. And the number, Paulson's projections are close enough to where I, I probably will just fade that. I'll ignore that one. Yeah, and we have Shane Steichen coming over from the Chargers, a guy that we've seen in the past. Uh, just They use multiple backs. Um, you, I don't know. I feel like they're pretty comfortable having whether it was Melvin Gordon and Eckler or last year where there was a plethora of guys. And even Eckler, when it's Josh Kelly, even when he's a bad player, uh, they'll yeah. use him. They'll certainly keep going to him. Yeah. That's why I, I barely have any Sanders in, in yeah. best ball right now. It's just, it's, it's a little too rich. It's getting a little cheaper, but again, there are so many outs. If Gainwell is, you know, prominently involved, I feel like someone's going to be involved enough to really kind of cap the ceiling on Sanders. And again, there are so many ways for this to go under, even though we're just a little bit over in the projections. So uh, Dallas Goddard's another one. We have his uh, number at 59 and a half uh, points bet. We're just a little over that. I'm curious to see if there's any, I didn't look, but where Ertz, if there's any Ertz projection baked into that, because there hasn't happened yet, but everyone's kind of waiting for the shoe to drop for Ertz to go somewhere else or go to Buffalo or get real, like who knows what's going to happen there. Any interest in Goddard in the prop market or so far in best ball Daigle? What's his number? Uh, 59 and a half receptions. We have him at 65. That seems pretty good. Uh, again, it goes back to last year's coaching staff, but he did run a route on 89% of the team's dropbacks, which is a whopping margin for a tight end. Um, in the four games, Zach Ertz missed. And again, we are assuming Zach Ertz is out of there. Uh, I don't know if it's the Bills, I don't know if it's the Colts, I don't know what happens, but it certainly seems like it is definitely not the Eagles because uh, not only are they not trying to negotiate, uh, he stayed away from OTAs, he's going to hold out from camp, he just does not want to be there anymore, especially after he lost his best buddy Carson Wentz. So uh, I'd be interested in that, and I am interested in Dallas Goddard. He is my tight end seven overall, right behind Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson in the second tier because we know Ertz is gone and we know that Goddard, like they don't have another option. They're not going to throw Josh Perkins out there suddenly over Goddard. Like he will be the number one tight end. And so we're just chasing that usage. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. All right, that wraps it up. Um, favorite bet on the board here, Connor, that we've talked about today. Um, yeah, I would say I'll stick to one here because I think Daigle might have something similar. Uh, probably is going to be Washington over eight, over eight and a half wins. If, if you, if you want that instead, uh, I just think that this is like, you know, their floor is extremely high because of their defense and the Fitzpatrick, you know, even if he's league average, like this is going to be a team that wins nine or more games. And then I'll also be looking to take alternate wins on that as well. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that's probably my favorite one. And this is something I actually wrote up on four for four. Uh, probably a month and a half ago or so at this point, um, and something that hopefully our subscribers got on as well. 
Yeah, take the eight and a half and chase it now. Uh, what do you think, Dale? Uh, if you bet one, it would be Washington division winners at plus 255 for me, which I've already bet. If you bet two, it is Dak Prescott comeback player of the year. There isn't really another option, honestly. Like I've looked at that market. Uh, Nick Bosa, I think, is plus 550, plus 750. That one's really interesting since he was like not only rookie defensive player of the year, but I believe he was only one vote shy of defensive player of the year. I think that was. Um, so he's like a he's a monster, and uh, that makes a lot of sense. But overall, it's pretty much Dak's award this year. Yeah, if you're getting a full season of Dak. There's, it's going to be hard for him to, to especially not. with the volume he had last year. If we're assuming the defense is bad again, I mean, the ball is just in his hands all the time. Yep. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's it's chalky, but I think it's I think it's very easily the right play here. It's yeah. it's chalky, but it's still like plus odds. That's the thing with the MVP market too. Like, I don't mind betting, you know, Lamar at plus two fifty or whatever he is. Like, I understand he's top four, but also that's a good number because he should probably be the favorite, especially the way Baltimore's schedule works out. Like after five games, it's probably going to be Lamar who is MVP because their schedule is so soft early on. Uh, and then we don't have to worry about the regression from last year too. So like those types of markets, I know we're looking for like the Tua's, the Bakers, those lo- the Nick Chubbs, the long shot MVPs, <laughs> but uh, like Lamar is just an, just an obvious one, even though it's not as high as numbers as everyone wants to chase. Yeah. I think you're looking at like anywhere from 18 or 16 to one to like 25 to one for Lamar even. Um, and so I think that's like, that's, that's yeah. a really good number. Yeah. 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 And I think he's certainly, I mean, he's already shown that he has that in his range of outcomes to be an MVP. And like you said, the schedule is there. So yeah, I think that that's a good call. Yeah. Kind of the Washington trifecta. I mean, plus 260, 255 to win the division over eight and a half. Even go conservative at plus 150 to make the playoffs. If you think that Dallas has a fighting chance here, you're still getting them at plus money. I think that's a really good bet here. Um, it stands out really more than anything else that we've talked about. So, um, you know, love to mix it up. I mean, hey, Hurts, Hurts and, and Devontae Smith. If you think that Hurts is playing 16 games, uh, there's that number is too light. Uh, and if you believe in our projections here, we are almost 200 yards over on Devontae Smith compared to the number out there at points bet. Whereas a lot of other stuff that we talked about today is really within a game or two of, or maybe really even in a game. So if there's some injuries, I could throw that off in just a massive way. It's the only one that we're massively over on or even under on. There's nothing that's, that's, that's really out there. Um, so I'm, I'm with these guys on the Washington bandwagon. So Daigle, where can everyone find your stuff? They can't find you because you are the uh, homeless. The male version, the, the human version of Carmen San Diego. But uh, <laughs> where can they find all of your content this season? They'll be able to find me uh, at the end of July. And like, I'll be at a few events. I try, I wanted to go to Canton. Unfortunately, have a friend's bachelor party that weekend in Lake Tahoe where I'll be playing golfing on a boat. Um, woes Darn. me. Woes, woes my privileged life. So I'll be <laughs> able to make it to Canton to see everyone. Um, but I'll be in New York for flex drafts. I won the Jake Celia best ball league last year. So if anyone's around New York at that time, uh, I will be there for sure with friends, but at not Jay Daigle on Twitter until I can finally convince the person with that Daigle to take my money so I can have that <laughs> handle. Um, I will live in anonymity with at not Jay Daigle for as long as it takes. 
since I'm an idiot in 2011 and decided that was the best route to go. Also, NBCSportsEdge.com. My best ball tiers are free right now. And if you go to my Twitter, too, I have it pinned to the top. I have a CSV I update every now and then. I usually push out when I update. I just did one today that moves for 12-team leagues and 12-team tournaments that uh, I'll move around. Clearly, it's July. Nothing's happening. I don't need to update rankings. But the overall structure of drafts and like how I think people should be drafting, so like Darren Waller, to make sure you're always getting him in the top 15 at the beginning of the second round. Um, moving wide receivers above other dead zone running backs like Dobbins, uh, Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift, just to make sure you're getting elite receivers too. And so I'll push an update for that every now and then. And that is available for free as well on my Twitter. On the site though, best ball tiers, still free. The actual site, the draft guide, if you're into the redraft stuff, already doing it. I don't know when your draft is. You can go to, again, NBCSportsEdge.com. There's a tab right there, NFL Draft Guide. Use the promo code DAGLE10. Daigle 10 to get 10% off. And then we will keep updated rankings plus articles in there. I have a couple columns in there as well, including my favorite season long prop bets that have been released thus far. Uh, I had points bet release a few, like just for me, they helped me create them. So um, they are there as well. So yeah, all that stuff. And not to mention a good football show on iTunes. We have just ramped up beginning this week to three episodes per week. Not sure why, since there's nothing going on for another three weeks, but uh, it's happening. So three episodes per week. We will be back up to five in three weeks. And, and uh, yeah, we're good to go. You can find all that stuff. Awesome. Enjoy that you know that Kansas City Chiefs article. He wrote that from right here on my couch at 5, at 5 a.m. a couple days ago. I just soaked that all in. The, uh, uh, the grind, unfortunately, never stops. It's always going. Yeah. And then I walked up, and then uh, – Noonan has new child with wife um, looking to buy a new home, starting with a new company. And then here is homeless me writing an article at 430 in the morning from his couch. Like the lives are, we're going separate ways here. Still together though, buddy. We're still together. So we're always together. We'll take uh, it. Uh, again, don't forget if you are new and you have not jumped into the underdog best ball streets for some reason yet, again, uh, deposit $10. You're going to get a free four for four pro subscription. That is a $50 value on top of that. They're going to give you an extra $25 bonus at underdog because they're amazing. Uh, and then you can go in and upgrade to our betting package. And again, you're going to get everything the four for four has to offer for the entire season. Uh, if you're betting at all, again, NBA, PGA, uh, and then all the cool NFL stuff that we have too. So again, don't forget to rate and review, subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, we'll be back again to do this next Wednesday. So for John and Connor. I'm Ryan. We'll see you again soon.